You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. He's a fellow Iowan, just south of the border. I don't know. It's a good state. It's a good state. Mike was down in Iowa the other day with me, and he said it just feels like, it just feels like freedom, like we've just you know crossed into the freedom land. So, anyway, but I do welcome Eric. Um, he's going to share with us this morning some some things they've they've experienced some things in in their life and uh, going to share with us through kind of a biblical scriptural lens of uh, working through some of these things. So, praise God for that. Thank you, Eric. Okay, does this sound about right? Okay. Good morning. Uh, kind of what I want to talk about this morning is uh, the Hebrew names of God and uh, the attributes that relate to those names. Um, there are different ways that we can get to know God. Uh, reading the Bible, obviously. getting Studying the life of Jesus. Looking at creation. But like I said, one of the ways that I want to talk about is through the Hebrew names of God. In, in Hebrew culture, names meant something, or they described someone's character, an attribute that they had. And uh, I find it interesting that they thought that God's name, his personal name, was so holy that they would not say his personal name, Yahweh, because their lips were unclean. And so they would use these names uh, instead of saying his name. They didn't want to sin. So just a couple examples. Uh, One is Abram, which means exalted father. And God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many or father of nations. And another one example that I want to use is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1. And Elimelech and Naomi, they had two sons. There was a famine in the land of Judah. So they went to the country of Moab. And while they were there, their sons got married. Elimelech died. Their two sons died. So Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, said, we're going back to Judah. So in... uh, Verse 18, it says, When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to stay in Moab. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Naomi means pleasant. She went away pleasant. Mara means bitter. She came back bitter. And the Hebrew name for uh, Almighty is El Shaddai. So you could say, don't call me pleasant. She told them, call me bitter because El Shaddai has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune Upon me. So those are just a couple examples. Um, 
of the Hebrew names and how they mean something. And God takes his name and his reputation very seriously, just like we do, you know, like Dave, Milton. You say their name, there's a reputation that goes along with that name. And God takes his name and reputation seriously. In Exodus uh, chapter 9, it's the ten plagues in Egypt. And those plagues correspond with uh, each one of those plagues with a false god that the Egyptians were worshiping. For example, they worshiped the sun god, and God brought a plague of darkness. And it was so dark, it said, that it could be felt. And so he was showing them, among other things, that he was greater than their false gods. But in verse 15 it says, um, For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So one of God's desires is that his name is proclaimed in all the earth. One of the Ten Commandments, the third one, it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And uh, like I said, God takes his reputation seriously. And so, as children of his, how we live our lives bears witness on God's reputation. So, I'm convicted of that every time I read that. That I have to be careful. I have taken God's name upon me. And I have to be careful how I live so that I don't tarnish his reputation. Uh, one more here in First Samuel. Uh, this is Samuel's farewell speech. He's reminding the Israelites of how they've sinned and rebelled against God, worshipped false idols, false gods. And uh, in verse 18 he says, Samuel called upon the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain, so all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. That was a big one. Because God was their king. And they didn't want God to be their king anymore. They wanted a king like the pagan nations around them. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn away from the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. I find that very interesting as well. For God's name's sake, he won't reject us. Just look at that example of how sinful they were. And yet for his name, God will not reject us. So uh, those are just a few preliminary things that I'd like to share. Uh, in John chapter 9, 
This is one out of the New Testament I like. As he went along, and this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Again, in that time, they believed that if there was, uh, if you had an illness, you were crippled, uh, something bad is, was going on in your life, that you were a sinner and God was punishing you. So they asked him, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I'm going to share some personal experiences from, uh, from our life, Monica and I and our family. And it's been a while ago she made this comment, and I, I really like it. She said, I wish people paid less attention to what happened to us and more attention to what God has done for us. So as we go, as I go through this, keep that in mind. Um, what has God done? So there's uh, five Hebrew names that I'm going to touch on. Back in 2007, the fall of 2007, I was diagnosed with a rare blood disease and it was ruining my kidneys. Um, and so I ended up with two doctors, a hematologist for the blood disease and then a nephrologist for the kidneys. And when they finally got things narrowed down, they said, uh, well, we're going to have to treat this disease with chemotherapy or the disease is going to completely ruin his kidneys. The nephrologist said, I mean, they were both right there. And the nephrologist says, well, if you use chemotherapy, what you're going to use, what you have to use, it's going to completely ruin his kidneys. So there I was, between a rock and a hard place. And we lived just south of town uh, on a little farm. So I'd go out, walk to the west, up over the hill, talking with God. And the name Elohim means God is our strong creator. Nothing is too hard for him. As I stood out there, okay, God, you are Elohim. Nothing is too hard for you. One doctor says this, one doctor says that. And about a year or so ago, I, I just did a little research again about the disease I have, and it says um, you have about seven years life expectancy after you've been diagnosed. And that's been 13 years ago. So remember, nothing is too hard for God. He's our strong creator. Nobody's heart is too hard that God can't change it. So if there's someone you're praying for, someone in your life, don't stop praying. And remember, nothing is too hard for God. And uh, at the same time, about 10, 10 days after I was diagnosed, our son Jesse was a senior in high school. He got his right arm paralyzed in a football game. It was the brachial plexus. It crushed the nerves up here, pulled him out, separated him from his spinal cord. And uh, between the two of us, at that time, our medical bills were in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that brings us to Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. 
God is our provider. I was self-employed, truck driver, owned my own truck. I went in for a checkup on Wednesday. That afternoon I was in the hospital, was there for three days, and I didn't work again for almost a year. Monica was a stay-at-home mom, so our income went from fully employed to zero in one day. But God provided. I, I can't go into all the details, um, but I can remember sitting at the table, and I said, God, on Friday, Monica's going to pay the bills, and we're out of money. I don't know what you're going to do. I know you will provide. I don't know how, but you will. And God provided through people, uh, collection in our church. People brought us stuff. At one time, our basement looked like a grocery store. Uh, and another time, I remember there were a couple families arguing over who was going to fill our LP tank. I mean, God worked through people. He provided. Uh, we were sponsoring a couple of kids with Compassion International. Never once did we miss one of those monthly support payments. Uh, and we paid my mom off for the farm in that year, what, what we owed on it. I mean, it, it's just crazy. God is our provider. But another thing I want to share about him providing is when before this happened, I was coming home one night south of New Hampton, tire blew out on the truck, ruined the tire, and... Uh, so I ended up limping it up the road a ways to Mike's repair shop. And he was there. He just happened to be there. And uh, I normally never carried a spare. I don't know why, but I had one. So he pulls the old tire off, puts it on. That would have been about a $150 bill alongside the road. So I asked him, okay, here we go. I said, how much do I owe you? $25. I was here already. It's not that big a deal. And the reason I like that is because don't overlook God providing in the small, ordinary things in life. He doesn't just provide these huge things, but just keep your eyes open for the small little ways that God provides. Uh, but also remember the greatest provision that God has ever given us, and that's his son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins, for eternal life, God provided. And there again, um, in Genesis, where Abraham took his son Isaac up to sacrifice him, God stopped him, he looked in the bushes, there was the ram, and Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So God has provided for our eternal life. And like I said, Jesse had his right arm paralyzed. And uh, Jehovah Rophi means the Lord heals. God is our healer. They took a muscle out of his leg. They transferred it here in his arm. They took Nerves from both legs, the backsides. They put them in here in his arm. They transferred a nerve from his abdomen up to here, from this arm over to here. So one day I started counting his stitches and staples, and when I got to 200, I quit. So it was a fairly invasive surgery. 
when he came home, you know, he had pain medication. He had uh, phantom pain in his right arm. And uh, he took those a couple days, and he said, I don't like the way they make me feel. I'm not going to take them anymore. So he was trusting God at that point to deal with his pain and to heal him. And I'm not saying we don't need pain medication or blood pressure medication or anything like that. God works through those things. But God, or Jesse was trusting God to heal him, to be his healer. And again, the greatest healing any of us will ever, ever receive is through Jesus Christ. We're healed from the consequences of our sin. Um, so remember that. Jehovah Rophi, God is our healer. That brings us to the next name. Jehovah Shalom, God is our peace. God is peace. Uh, in July of 2018, uh, two days after our youngest son, Jake's 27th birthday, he committed suicide. And uh, I, I can't begin to describe that in my own words, what that's like. Um, well, we listened to a gal on the radio one day, Julie Gossick. She wrote this little booklet, Hope Beyond Despair, Finding Truth After a Loved One's Suicide. So we ordered some of these. And in the introduction, I just want to read it because she does a, a very good job, I, I think, of describing this. Disbelief, horror, gut-wrenching shock, Trying to make sense of the senseless, there are no answers, only pain, loss, emptiness, devastation. Giant despair has triumphed again. His dark dungeon has claimed yet another. His whispered counsel, do away with your life, was heeded, and it's your loved one who succumbed to his treachery. There is no heartache equal to that of losing a friend or family member to suicide. Wading through the wreckage and debris is confusing and agonizing. Yet there is help, there is hope. This help and hope is found only in Jesus Christ. There may be programs and clinics that offer surface-level assistance and temporary comfort, but true help, true hope, is found only in Jesus. He alone gives genuine comfort to your inward being. He alone gives healing to your heart. Only Christ can replace anguish and hopelessness with transcendent peace and enduring joy. That morning, uh, Jesse called me. I was at work and told me what had happened. And like I said, it, I, cannot, I cannot describe what that's like. But that night, when I went to bed, I laid down, and I, I fell asleep. Shortly thereafter, I woke up. And I could just feel this, this dread, this uh, anxiety, this fear was just welling up in me that it was going to 
just overcome me. Um, and someone told me once that uh, the best way to pray is to pray God's word back to him. And this passage in Matthew came to my mind, and it's Jesus. It's Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. And it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as I laid there in bed, I said, Okay, Jesus, I know you cannot lie. And this is what your word says. This is what you've promised. I cannot bear this burden. Please take this burden from me. And I fell asleep again shortly after, and I slept all night. Now one of the things that's interesting about that is with end-stage kidney disease, one of the side effects is you don't sleep all night. I have not had a full night's sleep in 12 to 13 years. That night, I slept all night. And Jesse and Jake live across the road from us. And uh, so that next morning I got up and I knew I had to go over there and go into Jake's room to face whatever it would be. And so as I started walking over there, again, anxiety, fear. So I'm praying, I'm talking with God. I get upstairs, I open the door, I go into his room, and there was peace. There was peace. So I sat down in there and uh, I talked with God. I had questions. I still do. But there was peace. And so then that night, again, I went for a walk out over the hill. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. The stars were brilliant. And I'm standing out there again talking with God. So when I'm going home, I get to the middle of the road at the end of the driveway. And I stood there. I looked up at up at the sky and I raised my hands and I sang how great thou art and I worshiped God and as I walked down the driveway I thought to myself I am either completely insane in an absolute denial of what has just gone on or God is who he says he is Jehovah Shalom he is our peace. And Jesus does what he says he will do. He took my burden. He took that burden. Ah, oh, so Jehovah Shalom, God is our peace. And on Labor Day weekends, um, my brothers and our families, we get together and go camping. It's pretty noisy. There's a lot of ruckus there. My brothers and I, we do not agree on everything. But there is peace there. There's peace. And last year, uh, our niece Lauren and her husband had a little boy, Jace. He's sitting around the fire. and She's holding Jace. And there's peace. There's peace, the peace of God. So again, keep your eyes open for God's peace. 
in the everyday things of life as well. That brings me to the last name I want to talk about, and that's Jehovah LMF. God is truth. God is truth. It was a little over a year ago, I was out in the shop on a Sunday afternoon working on my pickup, listening to Christian radio station, and they play children's programs at that time of day, and I was listening to Ranger Bill, Warrior of the Woodlands. <laughs> and at the end, there's always a little, uh, a little lesson. Ranger Bill says, I sure learned something from this. And his sidekick says, well, what was that, Ranger Bill? And he said, prayer changes things. And just like that, I was mad at God. And I said, really? It didn't change things for Jake. I was mad. But as soon as I said that, God asked me, Eric, what is true? What do you know is true? Well, I know God's word is true. And so, uh, I just want to share the process that I went through as I was standing there. What do I know that is true? At that point, Satan, he doesn't leave us alone. He still keeps coming after us. Still keeps coming after us. He was trying to get into my head. So, um, I didn't know all these verses by heart, but I knew enough of them. And like I said, this is the process I went through standing there. So James 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So I thought, okay, how do I know I'm righteous? How do I know I'm a righteous man? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I look at that passage as kind of a legal binding agreement between me and God. Through my faith in Christ, I'm seen as righteous in God's eyes. But on the personal, more kind of a family relationship side. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So, through my faith in Christ, I knew I'm a child of God. That gives me the right and the privilege through prayer to enter directly into the throne room of God and to pray and to talk with him. So I knew I was righteous legally and personally with God. So how did I know that I was praying correctly? That was the next question I thought about. 
First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Okay? So according to his will. Was I praying according to God's will? Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I know that doesn't mean that if I desire a new Corvette or a jet ski, that's what he's going to give me. You delight yourself in God, and he puts his desires in your heart. So what, again, as I'm going through this, does God hear my prayers? Does prayer really uh, change things? What is true? So I'm righteous through my faith in Christ. Um, God has put his desire, his will in my heart. 1 Timothy, what was God's will? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men and women to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that's what I prayed. That's what I prayed for my kids family members, friends, people I work with. At one time, I had a very hard heart. I cared about no one but myself. I didn't care about anybody else's salvation. I didn't even care about mine. But Elohim, our strong creator, he changed my heart. And he put that desire there. So did my prayers make a difference in Jake's life? Yeah, they made an eternal difference. An eternal difference. Now again, there are things that I don't understand. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I have to trust God. I have to trust him. His ways are right. I don't understand it. But I know God is true. I trust him. So, um, we live in some pretty crazy times. Uh, you know, I like what it said on the bulletin, peace in turbulent times. And it doesn't take long to watch the news. We know it's pretty crazy. It's pretty turbulent. But always remember, Elohim, our strong creator, nothing's too hard for him. 
Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He will provide. He has provided. Jehovah Rophi, our healer, he will heal. He does heal. He has healed. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Do we get peace from watching the news? <laughs> no way. But God is peace. Again, do we get the truth from the news? <laughs> I really, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But God is truth. Uh, Jehovah Elameth. So please remember those things. So I just want to leave you close here with the words from a hymn, How Firm a Foundation. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen and help thee and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathways shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus still leans for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.